Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to episode 14, Fury, part one. That's right, and today uh, we start off with a rogues gallery, straight up trademark registered rogues gallery, uh, stealing some suspiciously well-displayed chemicals on a dais, um, and Batman discovers that they're led by a rogue Amazon uh, by the name of Aresia. She sends Hawk, uh, he sends Hawkgirl to investigate the mascara, while Aresia and crew continue their heists. Superman tries to stop her, but is infected by a curious virus. Uh, Flash and Green Lantern also become infected, because no one's wearing fucking masks. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and Batman surmises that it only infects men. Meanwhile, Aresia turns on her mercenaries as she furthers her plan to stage two. Wow. Talk about a palate cleanser. Uh, as I was editing the last, the the Brave and the Bold two-parter, I realized just like how little joy I had that whole episode as we were talking about it. But I feel like this, not to show my hands too early, might be the total opposite of that. Yeah, I, I was a little concerned. Like, oh, geez, did I lead Gary down the wrong path? Is it just bad from now and I forgot? <laughs> uh, no, it was just like a weird blip where we were in Gorilla City. Yeah. <laughs> doing flash antics. But now we're... Now we're, now we're back to, like, generally well-grounded, high-concept, low-execution Wonder Woman territory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, uh, you were a, a general, generally, this, this one hit you better? Yeah, for all around. Um, I thought the interest, or the villains were more interesting, the characters got more time. We yeah. actually get all rogues, seven. We have a rogues gallery right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like immediate classic rogues gallery kind of stuff. We we meet six villains. They're all doing a heist thing right at the beginning. Like right. it's a sizzle reel with like, you know, Copperhead walking across a screen and he hisses and looks at the camera and freeze frame. It goes black and it goes into grays and you see whoosh, Copperhead and like this cool font at the bottom of the screen. Love it. I could have yeah. done like five minutes of that. <laughs> I know. I mean, when I saw Copperhead, I was excited because I've always liked the the look of this character, but I don't know much about him. Uh, turns out, y- you mm-hmm. don't, you still don't learn much about him. But he- he's a cool dude, nonetheless. Well, 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 Gary, if you wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind going right into my character highlight of the episode because <laughs> I didn't really want to talk about anyone except for Copperhead. Okay, <laughs> like, that's fine. I just saw him right away, and I'm like, yeah, let's let's chat him up. Yeah, I keep leading into this um, way too early, but go for it. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, there's not much to say, so we can depart from him fairly quickly. But uh, I don't know. I just, I like him. Uh, I think he had one of those kind of Spider-Man sort of histories where, like, originally it was, like, a metahuman who, like, you know, had poison implants or something like that. Uh, and then later on he was just a contortionist with a weird snake suit. Um, mm. He does, He is a contortionist. That's, like, his quote-unquote superhuman ability. And the suit just gives him snake gimmicks. Like, it gives him the... It gives him fangs off like the hood of the thing, which actually have poison in them. So he doesn't bite people. He just oh. headbutts them and puts poison <laughs> in them, which is very fun. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and he's just... I, you just see this guy all over the place, especially in kind of Batman stories, whenever you need a crew, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he's just... He's one of the, one of the crew. He's just uh, one of your... I'm reminded of a scene in Harley Quinn where Kite Man just kind of walks into a bar and he's like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a heist. Is anyone kind of into it? And there's like just a bunch of dudes around who are like, yeah, I want to be a henchman. Let's let's fucking go. 
Right. Um, and this this seems like one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, it seems kind of like an ironic turn of phrase, but a primary background character. Yeah, yeah. And I really just, I like the degree to which he, he commits to the snake mm. thing. Yeah. Like, he's got the forked tongue that is almost certainly, like, cosmetic surgery. Right. Um. Yeah, he seems like, it actually kind of reminds me a lot like the Monarch from Venture Brothers. Hmm. You know, like, just very butterfly-themed, and there's not really anything pulling him in that direction other than his own interest in it. Right, right. You know, and there's, he's a contortionist, that's as close to Snake as we get, but he was just like, let's, let's, like, pedal to the metal. I want just everything about me to be Snake. <laughs> um and apparently his t- like his tail in the in the opening thing he like disables a guard with a prehensile tail mm-hmm. so question mark don't know how that works exactly i i like him like i i was kind of drawn to him in the same way when he showed up i'm like oh that's a good design yeah apparently th- there's a couple points of uh note about this character one of them is that he was apparently reincarnated as a black lantern at one point which zane assures me is not that big a deal happened to a lot of people <laughs> Nothing for him to get, you know, high and mighty about. Everyone's a Black Lantern. Okay. <laughs> uh, the other thing is that in, I think in Gotham, the the show Gotham, a female version of this character appears. Hmm. Which, uh, you know, Snake Lady for Batman to, like, he's already kind of drawn toward animal motif villainesses, right? Right. So... It seems like a really easy opportunity for him to have a snake tryst. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> that's everything about Coppertop, or Coppertop, <laughs> Copperhead that I know about. But what, what's wrong with Coppertop? Don't give me that look. No, I, I I was just hoping this battery that was sitting right next to me was a Coppertop, actually, but it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like I like the word Coppertop. Coppertop's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, this is a really good design. Right out the yeah. gate, part of the rogues gallery, um, and... You know, to to move back to the to the show, they do the classic rogues gallery thing or the classic heist movie thing, where all of the crew each kind of get, they each help with the heist mm-hmm. in turn. Like everybody gets a bite at the apple, which is a real fun, good way to introduce us to them, and also kind of shows the subservience of this crew uh, amongst the uh, to to this uh, to this figure who looks an awful lot like Diana, uh, Arija, the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Well, before I knew who she was, as they were kind of panning across the characters, I, I wrote down Copperhead, Grundy, She-Ra? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does look a lot like She-Ra, doesn't it? Um, I, di- I did notice Grundy. Uh, there's also apparently someone named Star Sapphire who is, I think that's actually like a rank in the Violet Core of the uh, Green Lantern kind of plot lines. I think she's a villain to Green Lantern betimes. Okay. Uh, but you, we don't get any of that here, which is good, and I like it. But uh, there's also Sukori, who is like a who who is very similar to a DC character by the name of Bushido, because they just every, every so often you need a samurai, and they vaguely look the same. Um, and there's also Shade, who is like this magician guy with a top hat and uh, and a cane, also a great design. Yes, I thought that Sukori was uh, actually Katana initially another dc character who is also ninja <laughs> i'm telling you man yeah just every 90s they put a bunch of ninjas and everything because that's just the zeitgeist so That's they right. all tend to look kind of the same 
thanks for everything, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that, that's really who we're blaming here. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but it's like an effective like intro, because then Batman shows up and kicks all their asses except for her. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, you might be thinking at the beginning, oh, this is like a seven or so person crew. The Justice League is seven people. They're going to face up at some point. Nope. <laughs> no. Batman kicks all their asses except for Aresia. They're underlings. They're firmly mm-hmm. in the underling territory. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. What a fun scene, though. Just they, they did a lot of neat uh, fight dynamics within it. And then, yeah, Batman just gets his ass handed to him by a, by a girl. You would think that Star Sapphire at this point would be cautious of mirrors. Yeah. Right? Like, if your one power is lasers, you'd probably be on the lookout for mirrors by this point. Because <laughs> yeah. the, the, that's the first thing that someone's going to try to do is reflect that shit back. Mm-hmm. This is why she can't get her own crew. This is why she has to be on someone else's crew. You know, it's, it's a matter <laughs> of foresight. It's not about powers. It's about attitude. That's right. And boy, well, she does have quite a bit of that. Eh, kind of. I mean, like, sort of. She, she gets hers later on. She she has her <laughs> moments in the next episode. but For sure. Um, yeah, I do really like this intro sequence, if only because it, it establishes um, who the boss of this group, group, group this uh, crew is. Right. Uh, and that she can, in fact, tangle with the bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but bats, you know, never without a secondary motive. Uh, he also grabs the tiara or the necklace um, yep. as he's getting his ass kicked so that he can do some investigation later. Smart, smart guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, even when he loses, he wins. It's very Xanatos. <laughs> it's true. It was a pretty long cold open too. Like usually, the the opening before the credit is about you know thirty seconds long. This was probably a solid two minutes. Yeah, and you know, I no no time was wasted. Like mm-hmm. it was that's this is a really dynamic intro. Um, yeah. Gets you where you need to be. Establishes who you are going to be watching, um, and it sets the stakes up nicely. For sure. Even has a nice fade to black thing with uh, Bruce losing unconsciousness. So yeah, you know, very strong opening. Oh yeah, uh, and it's it's a very strong follow up as well. <laughs> Diana shopping again. God, it, I love how consistent this aspect of her character is. Like this this fascination with man's world, specifically feminine, you know, pursuits in right. man's world. So she's trying out perfumes and stuff or like she's like walking around looking at dresses and stuff in like a shopping mall and yeah. someone sprays her with a a perfume which um what, what was the name of it the perfume the perfume is called impertinence impertinence is, mm, nice detail there yeah i like that <laughs> anytime she interacts with like regular conventional woman society mm-hmm. and like just it it really from her perspective it really frames things as oh, this is clearly an element of the world subjugating women is that they put so much stock in these artificial looks as opposed to their own natural beauty. Yeah. Like, it, it's very clear what the utility of looking at this scene through her eyes is. Is because the yeah. whole, this whole arc, this whole Fury arc is about, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, misandry <laughs> to be perfect if we're being completely honest like it's a little more textured than that kind of yeah. 4chan response merits but it's all about you know the amazons don't like men what are the what where, where does that logically lead in mm-hmm. in terms of their place in this world right and there there's several great little lines of dialogue within there the only one that i i wrote down because they happen pretty 
uh, rapid uh, was whenever she gets sprayed with the perfume, one of the uh, the sales lady says, uh, you'll have to beat the men away with a stick or whatever. And she says, believe me, I don't need a stick. I love that. Like, she's she's so badass mm-hmm. and, and fun. I really like how uh, she tells a woman, why would you use that lipstick to cover up your natural beauty? And oh, yeah. She's, and the woman's like, uh, it's easy for you to say, Miss Cheekbones. <laughs> like, very sassy response. Yeah. She's like, the, like, all these, I love this aspect. I don't kind of believe it at all, but I really love the aspect of this world where all the normies don't give two shits about any of this fact that, like, the <laughs> seven greatest superheroes on Earth are just walking around. They're just like, I ain't got time for you, Wonder Woman, protector of the world. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and then, then we also get a scene in a second that kind of, like, shows a different side of that whole, like, woman power, woman female empowerment angle, which is that she... Uh, there's like a woman who's in a car trying to get out, but like uh, there's a guy in a in a truck kind of blocking her because he's on break or whatever. And Wonder Woman just like bodily picks the truck up and moves it so that the woman can get out of the parking spot. And and she's just like, maybe try being less rude next time or or something to that. Yeah. Effect. Like I, I really like this beginning because like there is sort of a subtext of her uh, having a soft spot for human women as opposed to just humans in general like Mm -hmm. the the notion of men are rude seems like something she maybe implicitly believes but hasn't it 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 doesn't like um it doesn't it isn't the forefront of her character but we're starting to see some amazonian indoctrination i think yeah yeah um i don't know if you picked any of that up i I mean i don't know i i was more focused on the uh, i wrote whenever she did the whole truck lifting and tossing thing, my note was female empowerment to the max, you know, like that. To the max. Yeah. (laughs) Because this is how I communicate in my head. Um, No subtlety. Yeah. I just love, I I love, uh, it's going to sound weird to say it, but I love the balls of this episode. The fact that they went there. Yeah, no, totally. Like, I love that this isn't off the table in terms of, like, this is a plot line that they can have. These are issues that they can touch on. I don't think they did it enough. I think they uh, treated it with the kid gloves a little too hard. I I wouldn't mind them going even farther in this direction, especially because the climax of the whole episode is that, uh, you know, Arisia and her sinister crew um, develop this this allergen. We find it to be an allergen in the next episode that uh, is going to kill all the men. Which is essentially the same plot as uh, the graphic novel Why the Last Man. I don't know if you've ever read it. I have not. I will just go on record and say it is excellent. It's a Brian K. Vaughan uh, creation. And um, just everything about it just sings this sort of, no, the men didn't deserve what they got. Yes, our society was unfair beforehand. Hmm. Um, which, which, So it's, it's a very similar arc about it that one's more about the fallout this one's more about what leads people to embrace this sort of uh ideology mm-hmm. which it's easy when you have amazons running around and you don't need actual procreation apparently they're made out of clay or something i don't know yeah um, but it's if you're dealing with what happens to society when the men are no longer there i think we could have gone even further with it i think we could have had some commentary about oh, shit, this is a plague happening. And, dude, most of the hospital workers, most of the truck drivers, most of the firefighters are all men, you know, because of just the way our society kind of 
privileges them. And now we are left with a dearth of some very necessary uh, jobs in a crisis. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it, it's it's poor uh, biological diversity, I guess, right. in a sense. You know, right. like if, if, you, if you're resting all your hopes on this one aspect of the population that can be cut out, uh, you're really doing yourself a disservice to, to talk mm-hmm. about it in really ecologically unfriendly terms. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I have a lo- I had a lot of thoughts, Gary. Well, I mean, this episode prompts them. This is this is a. Uh, it's more than just ape and city, ape causing chaos, ape trying to blow up <laughs> Africa. You know, there, ape using a- monkey bars. Yeah. <laughs> now that's that's the deepest part of the last uh, arc. Oh yeah, but, but you know, like that's as subtle as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> um. So from here we pretty much get hawk girl just like flying around and it, beautiful visuals in in that sequence fucking great hawk girl episode yeah yeah this is i as much as this is wonder woman's episode this is hawk girl's episode possibly more whenever they're when they're interacting is the most interesting part of this like i could have done with even more kind of uh clash of ideals mm-hmm. amongst them Mm-hmm. Uh, that that really would have gone down well. I think we get a, a good amount of it, especially in the second episode that gets real action heavy, um, and I don't like it quite as much. But like, there is a good amount of just them interacting and having a, you know, just having gr- girls' night, baby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I feel like Hawk Girl hasn't said much. Like even in the episode she's been in, she hasn't had a lot of dialogue. But in this episode, she's kind of playing Batman's role. She's doing a little bit of detective work, mm-hmm. figuring some things out. and uh, Well, and at, at Batman's behest, because Batman respects, you know, Amazonian sovereignty. Like, right. he doesn't want to... He uses her as the scout because he can't physically go to Themyscira, which is just a nice kind of... Yep. Batman respecting Wonder Woman's culture. Again, like, like these little tidbits of... Because <laughs> he doesn't have a jurisdiction, so why would he care? Right. But clearly he does. Right. <laughs> so I, I, like, I like this little... It's a little d- tidbit on this. Good guy, Batman. Um, and Hawkgirl interacting with a bunch of Amazons and having to stick up for men obliquely is is a nice uh, is a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. I also really like how little you know they had to sideline Superman, Green Lantern, John Jones, all the others, anyone who can fuck up a plane, really. <laughs> um, yeah. They they had to sideline them in some way. You know, they had to put them on rocket duty, as I had described a That's few right. episodes ago, or maybe last. Was it Jesus? Jesus was the last episode? I think it was the Feels last like it episode. Was forever. <laughs> yeah, but but they put all the men on rocket duty by having uh by having Arisha first infect Superman, which that's a good like. I want I want somebody to some some college you know sophomore needs to come out with the the gender dynamics of that fight. Yeah, you know that breakdown of like Superman underestimates her. She clocks him one, and then she uses gadgets in order to weaken him. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a female empowerment, you know, lean in, use any tools available to you, kind of message in there somewhere if you really <laughs> wanted one. Right? Yeah, it kind of flashes back to the fight in the mall, you know, where you know you see that Superman and Wonder Woman are relatively the same power level and it's it's nice kind of Mm -hmm. seeing that carry through into this fight although she was playing a little dirty i forgot about that but oh that well she should yeah you know sisters got to do it for themselves gary (laughs) fair enough yeah uh i will notice uh i will note i don't know if you took note of this 
know who voiced that cop? That is such a Phil Lamar voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just sounds like like Static Shock just yelling at Superman's fighting. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God, it's just Phil Lamar. Yeah, I noticed that. He's with- just talking like he always talks. Mm-hmm. I noticed one of the nurses or paramedics or firefighter, whatever, one of the ladies at towards the end of the episode was uh, Maria Canals Barrera. Uh, just not oh, really? doing Hawk Girl, but basically the same voice. And uh, uh, there, there's a. I, I wanted to point out one um, animation detail that I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent on, mm-hmm. which is how they communicate the illness as it takes over Superman. Because mm-hmm. it starts off with the cold sweats, and he gets those nice Superman dark circles under his eyes, like he's been caring for an infant for two weeks without sleep. Yeah. You know, he's get those. Yep. Um, this is a very old Superman, so, like, I'm constantly seeing him as a father. But uh, right. know, he's got definitely the dark circles under his under his eyes. And then, once we see the later stages of infection, it's like this... Um, I don't know how... What would you call this? It, it looks kind of like... Um, it looks like a cyberman. It, it looks like a circuit board almost. Yeah, like yeah. His, like his skin turns translucent, and there's circuitry underneath almost. Because like these are, it's not a nervous system under there. It's it right. looks, there's too many right angles and regular geometry for that. But like <laughs> there's like these this thin gray mesh uh, underneath his skin. I don't know. What did you What did you think about this? Um. It it, it I kind of thought of War World where they did the same thing with just red lines to kind of, you know, show battle damage on him. Uh, it's a weird animation cue, though. I don't like Is it what they did? that much. If you remember back on and on the World War World episode, you know, he's got basically lines across his face like that, but they're just red. And I guess it's like gashes or whatever, but there's no blood visible. Um, hmm. So I don't remember it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't particularly like it, but I guess it's a way of showing that dude's sick. You know, I I don't know if there's a better it, way it to do that. It does communicate that dude is sick. Yes, <laughs> but I, I like I that, like that's just been the, communicated. Yeah, I like the bags under his eyes look more. I think that that is telling enough. Maybe m- make him a little paler, but not translucent. <laughs> well, they did make him pale. I mean that that yeah. definitely happened. The only thing is the regular geometry of that gray mesh. And it's an allergen, for fuck's sake. Like, this yeah. isn't a computer... If this was a computer virus, I would have zero problems. Mm-hmm. But um, it's an allergen. Like, this is his own immune system fighting when it shouldn't. Right. Uh, there's no reason it should look like this. The thing is, I like the way it looks. It just makes no sense in the context of this episode. Yeah. So I was kind of torn. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cybertech sort of weird vibes that I don't think fit. Yeah. I don't know. Like, one thing that it does do is it communicates... This dude is sick in a way that is unnatural. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I I can give it that pass. (laughs) I'll allow it this time. But if they do this shit again, forget about it. Oh. Yeah, but podcast over. (laughs) Um, They do a good round of Humanize the Villain at one point. What did you think of the backstory here? It was was pretty good. Um, I I think I had a few questions, but... You know, for the most part, because like, why is she super powered if uh, yeah if she's just an uh, uh, you know if she's just a refugee? Like she, so Arisha's story, I guess we should mention it is that she is an adopted Amazonian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so technically, Diana's sister by law, but doesn't have uh, isn't an Amazon by birth. So magically endowed with Amazonian powers is the best we get there. That bothered me. 
Yeah, it just it feels a little unfair, I guess. Yeah. I just, I want Amazon powers, and I'm not allowed <laughs> to go to Themyscira to get the ritual inducted or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah. But this is way better than that Hades stuff from uh, from a few episodes back. Like, Agreed. Hades is just a, that's just a straight-up mustache, mustache twirly villain. Mm-hmm. She actually had, like, pathos to her. She right. actually had um, tragic backstory, and when we see... The place that all of the Amazonian misandrist indoctrination fits neatly into that tragic backstory, mm-hmm. um, it just motivates her character extremely well. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like this backstory for her. It makes sense to me. As do I. I thought that it was a, a good fit, and it gave her the motivation to do what she's doing, um, which we find out very mm-hmm. soon what that is. It also, I think, maybe adds a wrinkle of uh because like this is a mirror villain you know every so often you get the bizarro superman you got your i don't know Catwoman is kind of like it but Mm -hmm. this is you know the opposite of wonder woman essentially right right this is someone who is just as powerful as wonder woman but what a villain Mm -hmm. um i really like that more than just she has ambition or greed or was resentful toward wonder woman because she's adopted or they could have done so many dumber things yeah this is this is a very good variant of that motivational structure yeah in fact i like i like the idea that wonder woman's not even her enemy until you know she doesn't side with her essentially you know like she's not out to get wonder woman she's out to get man and uh it's, it's yeah. just a nice a nice spin mm-hmm yeah, it's it's rare that we get like the genocidal overlord kind of villain with very clear motivations and human feelings to her. Because yeah. like, I don't know, I, I don't know how much is like appropriate to get all like message board with you or anything. But like, <laughs> I've known people whom were so mad at a member of a particular, you know, subsection of human mm-hmm. racially gender any of that right that they swore off all of them they're like mm. there's you know i've been screwed over by men one too many times i just i, I there's a bias there now yeah um and like i don't know like it, it's i guess i'm just like i'm a fan of how human they still make a genocidal maniac character <laughs> Yeah, she's she's very. Well I don't know written. if that makes any sense. It does, it does, and I think you know it. It shows that more than Amazonian, she is still human at her core, even if she's got the air quotes magic going on. Um, right, yeah. and and deeply patriotic, uh, matriot, matriotic, matriotic. <laughs> is that a word? Let's go with it. Uh, but she cares about she cares about all women. Pretty clear that she wants to create a better world for the women who exist in it. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's it's also kind of like a nice contrast with Wonder Woman being very drawn to man's world, like being, yeah. you know, kind of flirting with it, you know, yeah. kind of doing a room springa almost, you know, <laughs> like right. testing it out just to, just to see what it's like, yeah. you know, I, I don't have to stay. I just, just feeling it out. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. I, I like that. I, the, I think she's a very effective mirror villain. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the interesting thing is kind of diving into like, what about them? What about the, how were they raised differently? What are the differences between them that led one of them down this very different path? One was human um, by birth, one is I human by association. That That's the easier way to go about it. I don't yeah. think that's what they were going for, no, though. I, I think the better way 
It, let, let me let me field this to you. So part of what uh, Aresia's indoctrination as an Amazonian was to be locked in a tower because Greeks are fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, and she, you know, she reads a trunk full of chests with a bunch of literature from man's world. Mm-hmm. Check this out. She understands by reading literature, by reading the atrocities of men, by reading history, by understanding it implicitly, not, not, not through experience, but through, you know, um, just getting secondhand information, you know, get, getting the numbers of it. She mm-hmm. knows about how bad men can be on paper. Right. Wonder Woman has experientially been there and being like, no, I've, I've known men who are noble. Um, so maybe, maybe that's the difference, is that one of them has only interacted with man's world in a theoretical sense, and mm. one of them has, rea- has interacted with it in, uh, in person. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And also tragedy. I mean, like, let's, you know, like I said, Aresia went through a lot of tragedy and, like, it's, you really want to blame a person. Right. Uh, and men commit a lot of atrocities, mm-hmm. so. Especially back then, whenever this question mark time period oh, yeah. this was, that was set. <laughs> Yeah, this was uh this was this was before Hawkgirl came around and just like, you know, gave everyone the I'm watching you kind of, <laughs> kind of glares. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz her backstory I guess takes place in what the somewhere in the 20s to 40s. Um Who's whose backstory? Uh Aresia's. Oh, oh, um Yeah, I think it's you know, there's a lot of Wonder Woman history that's related semi to the World War 2. Right. So I I think it's probably it, it, she looked like you know Eastern European immigrant during World War II is kind of the impression that I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my other question yeah. that that I got kind of hung up on and probably missed some key parts mm-hmm. was you know like how do they age? You know because she's granted magical powers, Slowly. she ages at the same rate as Wonder Woman now. I guess okay. Uh, <laughs> if, if we are accepting that she gets Amazonian. I don't know, fortitude, what have you, from these magical powers. Um, Amazonians are, okay, oh, holy shit. You know, apparently Amazons were created out of the old Greek gods transferring souls from Gaia, which is the mother spirit, into clay, and then putting them on the bottom of the ocean, and then a bunch of them popped out of the ocean tens of thousands of years later and one of them was hippolyta that's okay. i mean like it's it's really convoluted but like yeah i think they're pretty much ageless okay makes sense also explains why they don't need men to carry on their dynasty because these ones are good just right they, they they keep they keep for a long time I, yeah. I guess they can like supplement their numbers with enough traumatized orphans that show up on the on the shore that they don't ever need to actually breed <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, because I was kind of wondering about that part. What happens when they wipe out man? Because typical human women can't go on. So I guess maybe they make all of them Amazon. Is there that much Amazon magic? I. Th- anyways, it's it's not the craziest idea. <laughs> like yeah. if you think about it, it's not. But, Just, but thankfully they don't go down. Like I think that this show would do itself a disservice if it went down the logistical hole. I think it's yeah. better to keep it in the ideological spectrum because like that's that's what we're equipped to deal with. Right. Right. It's it's something that occurred to me as well though. Like I'm not calling you out. Like that is all that is a deep problem that Aresia and Star Sapphire and Sakori apparently are not concerned about. Right. <laughs> so like, okay. Yeah. Uh so I, I 
I ranted and raved about how beautiful Hawk Girl's flight was. Then all of a sudden, we're back in that stupid bat plane that I bitched about several episodes ago. Uh, <laughs> and um, but it's it's a great conversation between Hawk Girl and Batman. And um, remind me. Well, there he's she's just kind of updating him on what she learned on Themyscira. Um and uh, she she casually says a line because obviously she doesn't know Bruce's backstory. She uh, she says she's an orphan. Who knows what that could do to a child? And there's this nice oh. shot where it just shows Batman kind of looking over his shoulder, back at her, and then just you know, looking back to the front of the plane. I'm like, that's a good little touch. That's very good. I I completely missed that. I whiffed. It's easy to miss some of these great little cues, but. Yeah, it, and I love that, you know, we get the idea that Bruce was an orphan, or if you're in the know, you get it, but we don't need to see Crime Alley happen. Yeah, that's a that's a good little touch. Um it, speaking of which, let's let's transition to episode highlight. Would you yep. say that the uh are all of your episode highlights Batman? Uh <laughs> first question. <laughs> Uh, not quite. Uh, although my, my, my episode highlight does deal with Batman and that was the hallway mirror fight in the, in the, Oh beginning. yeah, that's a great, I love that, you know, cause as a kid, I remember like one of my first times going to the airport and seeing that corner mirror and being like, what does that mean? And I, I just like the way they incorporated. That's it. what it's for. It's yeah. yeah, that's that it's for, uh, it's for, you know, star Sapphire defenses. Anytime <laughs> someone comes in with lasers, this is why terrorists don't bring lasers to the, you know, TSA anymore. It's like, they can get them through, like they can get them through customs. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, what's the point? There's right. going to be a corner mirror. Nothing right. we can do about that. Right. And they also learned from GI Joe that lasers guns just never hit. <laughs> right. And then, you know, there's a the whole stormtrooper Academy that like was sort of a front for, you know, for, uh, for a drug, trade thing and they didn't actually teach him good marksmanship right. there's a lot of reasons to not like laser combat guys i, I get it yeah what about you uh, mine was uh of just a little animation detail also at the beginning god this in this this beginning is a very good sequence it is when copperhead takes out that first security guard um Arisha gives him like these little little chin rubs gives him this little <laughs> chin rub and he like closes his eyes in like satisfaction he looks like a a cat getting you know chin rubs and purring but instead of purring he like hisses and his little forked tongue comes out he just looks so (laughs) pleased with himself just like i'm getting praises from master Mm -hmm. that was that was good i I did note that as well that was a nice little touch yeah let me let me let me toss another ball in your court uh i when they uh, had that um, nefarious meeting, like the, the 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 debriefing of the villain society after the heist, and everyone's like, "When are we going to make a real score?" or whatever the scene was, I don't remember it very specifically. I thought that Aresia was doing a thing where, like, she was sort of using feminine wiles to like get the men on her side. Like, I, I don't know how true that is, but this chin rub fits into that uh, that yeah. framework. Yeah, and it would also be a really nice, like, you know. Women have to use any weapon at their disposal. Plague, feminine wiles, whatever. Whereas mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, again, with the contrast of this mirror villain, straight up punching. Yep. Treat them with honor. We're, you know, we're equals. I treat them like that with warrior's honor, and I just I beat them up. Yep, yep. That's a good thought. I hadn't, I hadn't really considered it, but she's pretty shady and double-crossy, so it could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, like I like this episode a lot. 
I, I do too. And I thought that the to be continued moment was excellently placed at, per usual. It was a little bit of a uh what what's the what's the what's that show with the sunglasses and someone screams yeah Beverly like 90210 or something like that and what am i thinking of <laughs> oh it's one of those cop procedural shows it's um, one of those fucking cop procedural things but yeah. uh that's kind of what it sounded like to me when batman goes like yeah the male half <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. So it's like a little obvious, also, because like I, we already know by this right. point what the score is. Right. It's pretty clear, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was a good moment to jump out on. Mm-hmm. Like it makes the stakes very clear. Makes right. the Draws the line in the sand. Mm-hmm. This is her plan. What are we gonna do? And it hammers it home to the you know the children who this show was actually probably you know catered to. <laughs> Gary, everybody understands everything implicitly. Nothing needs to be <laughs> underlined. I want subtlety in all of my media. <laughs> no, uh, that that is a good point. I often forget that this is for children. But yes. But is it? I mean, like that—that's that's the debate that I have with myself all the time. I'm like, this is a kid show. Yeah, that three but, second that three three second Batman over the shoulder glance wasn't for kids. No, it's that was not for you, Gary. You and no one else. I know. I know. Ah, anyways, loved it. Yeah, great episode. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of this one. Um. Yeah, I think that I was I was lower in my estimation than you were, but talking about it again, as sometimes happens, gave me more of an appreciation. And that heist intro is just pitch perfect. Yeah, yeah. And there were two heists, sort of. Two distinct heists, yes. Yep. A warm-up heist and then the main event. Yep. I, I was Diamonds. I, I love it. whole lot of heisting going on. Um, mm-hmm. So, until next time, where can people find you, Ben? Well, uh, I'm. You can find me at the center uh, at the Center City Mall, spraying down Amazonians with in, indifference or impertinence or whatever that perfume was. Uh, but while I'm on my lunch break, uh, you can find me at the Cartoncast, uh, fancybat.com/slash/cartoncast, which is a podcast to do with my brother about old cartoons. And Gary, where can they find you? Uh, also, weirdly, usually in a mall, just not that one. Weird. And I can. <laughs> we should do lunch. I, th- I think there's an orange Julius around the corner. Let's do it. Uh, once, once the. Uh... Oh, sorry. Um, I was going to say once the pandemic ends, but if we're already at the once mall. Once the don't acknowledge sad things on our happy podcast ends. Yeah, I'm cutting that shit out. Um, <laughs> kind of hope you leave it in. <laughs> I think I have to at this point. <laughs> uh, but yes, I can also be found at the Wax Nostalgic Network. Links for everything are in the show notes. So uh, until next week. Thank you guys for listening, and and we will be back with Fury Part 2. Girl power. Girl power. They didn't say it. I had to say it. I know. They left it up to me. I wrote it. They abdicated the responsibility. You wrote it down? I wrote girl power. We'll get there. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening to The Watchtower. To find out more about this show or any of our other shows, visit us on the web at www.waxnostalgicnetwork.com.